Uh, continuing Christmas. I like that. I didn't see that in the thing, but that is fitting. Uh, we are continuing our Advent series this morning, even though we are post-Christmas. So we're continuing Christmas. And our series has been called Good News of Great Joy. And we've had this emphasis kind of on that question mark. Because the reality is that sometimes we don't feel joy in the holiday season. Sometimes we succumb to the stress of trying to make everything perfect and we get caught up in maybe some consumerism or just wanting it to be a special time. We get super busy. The schedule is just nuts, especially for those with, with kids and kids are in school and programs and all sorts of things. And sometimes this season is just a reminder of things that don't bring you joy. Maybe it's a loss or a hardship or something that it reminds you of. So as we've been going through this series, we've been trying to admit that and face that, but at the same time discover how we can still have joy in this season and find joy in the gift of Jesus come to earth. So now we find ourselves after Christmas in the middle of post-Christmas blues, right? And for some of us, honestly, this is real for many people. We get caught up in this Christmas season, and we're planning, and we're working, and we're shopping, and we're striving, and we're stressing, and then sometimes doesn't it feel like it just all ends way too quickly? Christmas is here, and all of a sudden it's over, and all the plans and the things we did for that day are done, and it ends pretty quick. Okay, show of hands, we can admit this, we're in church together. How many of you still have your tree up? How many of you are still going to have it up next Sunday? The Sunday after that. (laughs) My hand's still up. (laughs) Mary and I have had ours up into February before. I'm just saying, right? Why do we do that? Why do we leave our tree up? Isn't it because we want to keep experiencing the the joy of the season? Of what Christmas means? Of what Christ did for us? And we want that feeling that tree gives us when we turn it on in the morning? Finn has been actually, it's been really cute. We we wake him up in the morning and sometimes we have a bunch of lights on. He wants me to turn the lights off and just turn the tree on and say, look look at it glow and how pretty it is, right? All right, but here's here's how I know post-Christmas blues is real. We'll see how many times I get tongue-tied in that one. It didn't happen this week, but in past years, you open up the curtains Christmas morning and you see snow falling and you say, oh, isn't that beautiful, right? White Christmas. On December 26th, you open up the curtains and you see snow falling and you say, stupid snow, again. I got a shovel again, right? I want to encourage you today. When the angel appeared to the shepherds and said, behold, I bring you good news of great joy. He wasn't just talking about a temporary gift like the ones we get on Christmas morning. He wasn't just talking about a one-time event, even though that was the focus of it. The joy of Christmas goes far beyond just the season and the month of December and the time that we celebrate with family. Though, listen, the birth of Jesus is enough to warrant this joy. It's enough to warrant the angel coming and saying, I have good news of great joy. But God didn't end the story there. So I want to encourage you, today we're going to continue the story and find that we can have a joy that's eternal, never-ending, and present with us every day. If you want to read with us, we're going to open up to Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 32. We read this earlier. We're going to read it again. 
just a quick little background before we get into it. So where we are in, in the chapter, we've now moved past Jesus' birth. We've moved past the angel coming, speaking to the shepherds. The shepherds have visited Jesus. And now we find Jesus eight days old and starting to get into the everyday life of a Jewish family that you find with Mary and Joseph and Jesus. So Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 32. Also have it up here while we read. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence for all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. In this passage, Jesus' parents respond to his birth by attending to these obligations, um, this law, ritual sacrifice that's written about in Leviticus chapter 12. These traditions are a reminder that Jesus was born into a context of something God had been preparing for a long time. A covenant established between God and Israel all the way back to Abraham. So, we need to remember this promise going back and these traditions taking place in the temple or this sign, this representation of this covenant between God and his people. And in this temple setting, in the midst of Mary and Joseph taking part in this worship, these worship and traditions, I think we can be reminded of all that Jesus came to do for us. As I've been preparing this message, even before I really dug into this passage, I was feeling this sense from the Lord, kind of, I guess, speaking to me and teaching me what he was laying on my heart. It was just this big picture of all that Jesus did. This setting in the temple is sort of, in a sense, a reminder of that. When you compare what Jesus stepped into versus what he changed and did and now gives and provides to us, I think we have a joy that can be found in all that Jesus did. I feel like the angel could have said, I bring you good news of great joy, and boy, just wait and see what Jesus is going to do. He could have added that to it. So I want to... I want to try and paint a picture as, as brief as maybe not doing it justice, but paint this picture of what Jesus stepped into. What was it like for the average Jewish person at this time when Jesus came? Maybe see what Jesus did from that for us. So the setting is the temple, and that, that's great because the temple in Jerusalem was the center of worship experience for the Jews. This was the place. Two main reasons why the temple was the center of this. First, this is where sacrifices were performed. And sacrifices were very important. They were mandated in the law of God, and they were essential for the atonement of sin for the people of God. The second reason is this is where the presence of God dwelt on earth. This was the place 
There were a sense where heaven and earth met and God's presence was there. There's this room in the temple called the Holy of Holies, and this is where the Spirit of God would dwell among the people of Israel. And there's this amazing picture of this. We see going all the way back to Moses and traveling through the desert, there's this amazing picture. And it, and it tells us that during the day, there would be this pillar of smoke going all the way up from the Holy of Holies, all the way up into the sky. During the night, this pillar of fire. Amazing picture of God's power, his presence, the reality of him. And this reminder, this great reminder of, of who he is, but not just who he is, but that he is, he's with the people. And as they traveled through the wilderness, that would travel with them. So God was with them. So in the, in the time when Jesus came, if you wanted to experience his presence of God, you would have to travel to the temple. For some people, that was hundreds of miles. But the reality is you couldn't really experience it fully. In fact, in the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God was, only one person could go in, and that was the high priest. And in the temple, there was these kind of series of, of rooms or different areas in the temple. And the closer you got to where God was, the more restrictive it was and the less people were allowed to be there. The farther you got from God, the more people could be there. So we have this amazing picture of God being there with the people, yet at the same time was inaccessible to the people. You couldn't be in God's presence. He was near, yet separated. Okay, so second, in this culture, you would be very aware of the law. You'd be keenly aware of how much sin you'd had and how you'd fallen short of God's standard. And you knew you needed atonement for that sin. Your means for atonement was through sacrifice. Bringing a lamb or an animal to be sacrificed. And, you do, and the priest would do this on, on your behalf and give it to, as a sacrifice to God. And that would be sort of your atonement, right? But these sacrifices, they were, they were limited in their atonement. They weren't unlimited. So for you, more sin meant more sacrifice, more death, more traveling, more bringing animals. And as a culture, at this time, the Roman Empire was growing stronger and stronger. The, the, the Jewish people and the Israelites were, were feeling this kind of caving in on them. They were losing the sense of power and a sense of way of, of living for God and all the terrible things that were happening in the Roman culture. And they were crying out to God and saying, God, when are you going to save us? When are you going to come and bring us out of this? When is the Messiah going to come? Will you please help us? And for 400 years, God was silent. Silence from God for 400 years. So you'd make your yearly journey to come into your sacrifice, and maybe, maybe you'd stay until after the high priest went into the Holy of Holies and would, would come out. And may, you were hoping maybe to hear something from God, a word from God, and, and wondering, is God hearing my prayers? Is God, is God seeing what we're going through as a people and our struggles? Is my sacrifice... Enough. Was it pleasing to God? And God was silent. For 400 years. Have you ever tried to think of what that would feel like? I'm responding, this is just my personal sort of response, but as I think about that, 
I feel a, a weight, an emotional and spiritual weight of wondering, where is God? Does he hear me? My sacrifice good enough. But praise God, he broke the silence. The angel came to the shepherds and said, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. God was stepping into the silence and providing a better way for us. And this is what eight-day-old Jesus and his parents stepped into as they walked into the temple. And we have this neat picture of this man named Simeon. Just tells us he was a holy, devout man. Spirit of God was on him. And he enters into the temple and he sees, he'd been waiting for God to intervene. Same as the rest of the Jewish people. Hoping for Messiah. Waiting for God to do something. And he steps in and Jesus is there. And so he, but he gives us this glimpse in these beautiful words. That this joy is not just Jesus being born, but that there is more. Jesus would do great, wonderful things. We'll look at it again. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people, Israel. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. Many Jewish leaders at the time didn't even really consider the Gentiles as part of God's plan. They just wanted Messiah to come and have power and overthrow the Romans and establish Israel as they once were. But Simeon, with, with God's presence on him, saw what was coming. I'd like to think he had this glimpse into all the wonderful, great things Jesus would do. Jesus' coming was great and, marvel, and marvelous news. But we also get to celebrate and have joy because of what Jesus would do. So Jesus entered into, eight days old, brought by his parents, enters into the Jewish ritual of sacrificial law so that eventually he could become our ultimate sacrifice. Jesus became the perfect spotless lamb. He took our sins, put on him, he became the ultimate sacrifice, paying for our sins once and for all. That's great news. But as we consider this, I have three reasons I want to look at, and there could be a huge long list of what Jesus has done, but there's three I want to talk about this morning. Reasons for us to have never-ending joy. As we close our Advent series, as we get past Christmas, reasons for us to have continued joy. Our first reason, Jesus fulfilled and liberated us Jewish sacrificial law. We no longer have to make sacrifice after sacrifice, temporary atonement for our sins, because Jesus made a final atonement to cover all of our sins. I mean, to start off, can we just be practical for a minute? If you've been in church long enough, you've had the jokes about, you know, what it would be like to take our animal off to be sacrificed and the work into that, right? But have you really ever tried to think about that? Have to still do that today? What the reality of that would be like for us now? Do I have to raise animals and keep them? Do we have to make enough money to be able to go and buy animals on your way? Do you have to transport them to the, temp- to the temple if you had them? 
Now, wait, here's a glimpse into my wacky brain, right? Would we all have, like, big trailers to load our animals onto, to take them there in our, in our cars? We don't walk anymore. What would the traffic be like on the way to the temple? That'd be a traffic jam. Would we send even more honking and yelling at people, get out of the way? Got to go make my sacrifice. Joking aside, though, have you thought about maybe, again, my personal sort of thought, the, the physical and emotional and spiritual toll to be reminded again and again how you've fallen short and to again and again have to go and make payment through death and blood and sacrifice, wondering if it's enough to cover your sins, make you right with God. I mean, how many of us sinned just this past week during Christmas? Anybody have this in a gluttony this past week? Or maybe you snapped at a relative that you have trouble getting along with. Or you yelled at your kids. Or you were grumpy because you didn't get the present you wanted. Or your sibling got a better present than you in your mind. And that's just the small stuff, Right? We think about the sins we continue to have. Maybe we'd have to set up a ride-sharing program for our church, the temple. Here's the wonderful thing, though, a cause for great joy. Because of Christ, we no longer have a God who sees our sin and demands death. He simply calls us to repentance and faith in Christ and return offers complete forgiveness. Complete forgiveness through faith and repentance. Jesus' blood covers our sin and we can rest in knowing that we are seen as pure and blameless before God if we put our faith in him. I don't know about you, but that's a weight off my shoulders. When I think about the sin that I continue to have, what joy we should have that Christ has covered that for us. Jesus fulfilled the sacrificial Jewish law, taking the weight of our sins, paying our penalty. But God wasn't done there. He had more in store for us. And our second reason for joy, that Jesus removes the barrier between us and God. For the Jewish worshipers, again, there was this, this throne room, the Holy of Holies, It was in the middle of the temple, and that's the place they couldn't go. In fact, the high priest even had this whole list of things he had to do, these steps of cleansing that had to be followed to a T, and if they were not followed to a T, the high priest would walk into that Holy of Holies and would die immediately. And if any of us average God followers walked into that room, we surely would too. There was this barrier between us and God. That actually, there was a physical representation of that barrier in the temple. It's called a veil. This very thick sort of curtain, long, tall, thick. And it's spoken about in Matthew 27. I'll read that to you. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tearing of the veil, 
But the moment of Jesus' death dramatically symbolizes that his sacrifice, the shedding of his own blood, was a sufficient atonement for our sins. It signified that now the way into the Holy of Holies was open for all people, for all time, both Jews and Gentiles. When Jesus died, the veil was torn, and God moved out of that place, never again to dwell in a temple made with human hands. For the Jews waiting for Jesus, they didn't have access to God and had been experiencing 400 years of silence. But because of Christ, we can read passages like this. One of my favorite passages. I remember this being very real in my life, going through some hard times. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because of Jesus, we went from, you die if you go into the Holy of Holies, to the Holy of Holies is open for all people and you can come boldly. You can come with confidence. You can enter into God's presence and find grace and find help and find love and find peace and experience Him. Because of Jesus, we can have 24-7 access to God. When in need, we can approach His throne room boldly. When we have joy, we can celebrate with Him. When we meet to worship in this place, we get to experience God with us. Jesus removed the barrier between us and God, and that good reason for great joy. But, Jesus wasn't done there. God wasn't done there. He wasn't finished. No, he had a gift for all of us. A gift way greater than anything you will ever receive from a family member, from your parents, from your grandparents on Christmas Day. A gift that doesn't fade, doesn't break, doesn't expire, like the gift cards we forget to use. That gift is the Holy Spirit. The vow of the temple was torn, and now we can have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. To teach us, to guide us, to comfort us, to give us power, to give us peace. Even the disciples were actually confused by this. Right? In John 14, there's this interaction. We'll read it in a minute. But where Jesus was trying to comfort them. He's telling them, I'm, I'm going to leave you. And, and they're saying, what? Why would you leave us? And he's trying to give them comfort about this and saying, oh, this, is, this is good, this is part of the plan. I'm going to be leaving. I'm not going to be among you anymore. And I imagine, I'm trying to put myself in there, they're thinking, you know, the angel said, good news of great joy, and you, you are that good news. You are that gift. Why would you leave? Well, Jesus says to them, I have something even better in store. Let's read some of that in John 14. He responds to them this way. He says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Then Judas, 
mentions not Iscariot, the other Judas, says to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Understandably a little bit confused about how this is going to happen. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus says, I am leaving so that something even greater can happen. So that my presence can be in everyone who loves me and follows my commands. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're feeling this Sunday. You're in post-Christmas blues. If you had the blues all through Christmas. Maybe this time of year brings on depression or reminds you of things. Or you just have something that has happened recently that's a hardship you're going through. Can we be honest that no matter what that is, we can have a moment where we can realize that Christ is in us. We are following him. Can we have a moment of joy realizing that the power of Jesus, the hope of Jesus, the strength of Jesus, the peace of Jesus is inside of us. It's with us. No matter what, stra- what, sorry, no matter what struggles, trials, or frustrations we're going through, you have the power of Christ in you. And that power can defeat sin. It can get you through hard times. It can give you joy just simply because you can commune with God. Whatever you are dealing with, you can go boldly to the throne of grace. Maybe you are struggling with sin right now in your life. That's not uncommon. We all have that. Some of us have some more serious sin that we're, we're trying to break and it's defeating us and, and it's frustrating and it's hard and we have so many questions about that. I want to encourage you today. Christ in you is power to defeat that sin. Now it's not like a magic pill and all of a sudden we realize, no, okay, like sin goes away. God might have a plan for you that, that takes some time and takes some work and is tough to get through. But Jesus Christ, who defeated sin in the grave, is inside of you. Your sin can be defeated. You have the hope of glory living inside of you. If you don't, I want you to know it's a free gift. It's offered to anyone who repents, believes, and puts their faith in Christ. You can have the presence of God living in you. Maybe you're saying, Sean, you just don't know the pain I've been through. You don't know the pain I'm currently going through. And you're right, maybe I don't. But I want to read this passage to you in Hebrews again. Hebrews 4. Since then, we have a great high priest. This is talking about Jesus. 
He's the, our high priest. Since then we have a great high priest, Jesus, who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every aspect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is not ignorant or not understanding of your suffering. If you will turn to him, he will offer you help. If you will commit to him, he will give you peace and rest. Might not go away immediately. God might have some work in you, some work to do with you through it, but here's what I believe. No matter what pain you're going through, I believe he will guide you through the pain, through the pain to a place where you can experience true joy. So as we add as we sorry, as we close our Advent series, I want to encourage you and hope with you and pray with you that our joy would not end. Yes, leave the Christmas tree up for a while. As long as you want. Maybe you can put the Valentine's decorations up on it that are at the store. I don't know. (laughs) When the angel came and spoke to the shepherds and said, I bring you good news of great joy, it was not a joy that was temporary. It was not news of something that was going to fade or go away or expire. It was not seasonal. (laughs) Jesus fulfilled the sacrificial law by ultimately becoming the ultimate sacrifice for us, taking on our sin, giving us freedom in that. In so doing, he also removed the barrier between us and God, and he gives us 24-7 access to God. And he made the way for us in our hearts to become the temple of God, to become the dwelling place of the Lord. What a gift. What a reason for joy. I want to close again with the words of Simeon. Uh, Pray that we could experience the same joy as him. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Let's pray and the worship team will come up for a song of response. Lord, I pray that we could experience the same joy that Simeon experienced when he saw you. That no matter our circumstances, we can have joy, we can have peace, because we have seen your salvation. May your presence in our hearts and in our life surpass all that's going on around us. As the Christmas season fades and decorations come down, may we continue to experience your joy. May we respond to what you have done for us with joy. And I pray also we would just not keep that for ourselves, but that joy would be a light to others as well. Thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for becoming our sacrifice, providing a way back to you for us. 
In Jesus' name, amen.